Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today, it is time for another update a lot of stuff has happened uh, since we did our last update in November. October, I think. Long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have happened in this new year. Yeah. Yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> We're going to try to make this a more regular occurrence because there is a lot to keep up with. Brief trigger warning for discussion of sexual assault. And, yeah, as we started this year, World War Three was trending, and we're in the middle of an impeachment, so (laughs) a lot. A lot. Yeah, and we wanted to start with the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Boom. Yes, very quick recap. In 1923, the National Women's Party drafted the Equal Rights Amendment, reading in its main passage, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Decades later, with the work of women from both parties, it passed with majorities in 1971 and 1972 in the House and Senate, respectively. This meant the two-thirds that Congress needs to propose an amendment under Article 5. Next, three-fourths of the states have to ratify it for the amendment to become part of the Constitution within seven years. Only 35 states did so, the whole thing in part influenced by Phyllis Schlafly's Stop ERA movement, Stop Standing for Stop Taking Our Privileges. In 1982, it was widely reported that the ERA was dead. And it pretty much was till the 2016 election and the ensuing Women's March. Whoa. Yeah. I just want to like to pause there because, you know, it was such a big, grand thing, and I love it. Nevada ratified in 2017 and Illinois in 2018. And in January 2020, both of Virginia's legislators ratified the ERA, making it the 38th state to do so and meaning that three-fourth threshold. Yay! The date is particularly powerful about 100 years after the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gave American women the right to vote. Right. 
And after the vote, Attorney General Mark R. Herring said, Today is an absolutely historic day for our Commonwealth and a major milestone in the fight for equality in this nation. Women in America deserve to have equality guaranteed in the constitutions, and Virginians should be proud that we will be the state that makes it happen. And Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy said before the vote, Which side of history do you want to be on? The world is watching your mothers, your sisters, your daughters. Now, detractors point to two main problems. The original deadline was in 1982, and despite widespread belief that the deadline could be changed, the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel recently stated, we conclude that the ERA resolution has expired and is no longer pending before the states. They gave instructions to the National Archives and Records Administration to ignore Virginia's ratification, and the administration has indicated that they intend to follow those instructions. The second issue, as we discussed in our last update on the ERA, Five states have taken back their ratification, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Idaho. However, legal experts argue that neither of these should get in the way of Congress if they want to proceed. They have the power to extend deadlines, which they've already done for the ERA once, and there are plenty of other legal precedents, and to reject rescindings of ratification. Right. Extending the deadline is the next step, and bills to do so are in both the House and the Senate with bipartisan sponsors. Some argue that the ERA is no longer necessary, particularly in the wake of the 1964 Civil Rights Act that barred discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, national origin, and sex. There are still plenty of ways we could improve equality, and at the very least, it's an acknowledgement of everything women have already fought hard to get past. There are concerns around the ERA. For one, it could open previously passed laws and directives to renewed attack. For another, the use of the word sex could be interpreted as biological sex. The word gender wasn't widely used in the 1920s, and the 1972 version kept the word sex. This could exclude gender nonconforming, gender queer, non-binary, all of that. For transgender folks, it would likely depend on where they were in their transition. However, it is great to see that places like Virginia has advanced Senate Bill 657, which would allow a person to receive a new birth certificate to reflect in the change of sex without the requirement of surgery. And the individual seeking a new birth certificate also may list a new name if they provide a certified copy of a court order of the name change. Now, again, this is only at the beginning process. It did pass the Senate and now must go keep continuing on. But that's really good news that they are looking at how this can be affected yeah. in the in the hiccups with the bill. Yeah, and it was really cool to see the, the pictures um, of people with their sashes yes. and all the buttons from when they had marched for the ERA before. So it was a really moving, moving thing really to witness. Mm. And that is not all we have to talk about when it comes to politics. But first, we have to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, 
podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. And we're back. Oh. Thank you, sponsor. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just waiting for what's coming up. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, why don't you dive in? You're yeah, clearly super obviously. excited to talk about it. The, it's, it's the whole controversy, and it is what divides us many times, or divides po- people in politics many times, but the Warren-Bernie fiasco, controversy, Huge. all of those yeah. things. So in this, between Democratic presidential candidates Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, a few weeks ago, CNN reported on a story with unnamed sources now confirmed to be associated with Warren's camp. The question of whether she knew is still debatable. Yeah. Sanders told Warren that a woman could not win the 2020 presidency. Warren later confirmed the story while Sanders denied it. His campaign called such statement a lie. In the Democratic debate that came soon after, they both seemed to want to avoid discussing it, both agreeing, of course, a woman can be president. But at the end of the debate, we see Warren appear to refuse to shake Sanders' hand. And the next day, hashtag never Warren and hashtag Warren is a snake were trending and snake emojis were Everywhere. Everywhere. It was absurd. Quotes and videos of Bernie saying a woman should be president were circulating along with the fact that he encouraged Warren to run in 2016. Worth noting, while a lot of these definitely came from Bernie supporters, some almost definitely came from bots, foreign influencers, and conservatives. And and I know like when I was looking through all of the Twitter mm-hmm. debates and back and forth, which was really disheartening in itself, there was obvious bots in there that was kind of just fueling yeah, that whole idea, and I think also it's good to know. And I know we're gonna talk a little more that when we paraphrase conversations, it's dangerous because I don't think it's an all or none mm-hmm. type of situation. And that's just my personal opinion because um, I could absolutely I have made the statement. This was in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. No, two thousand two, two thousand three. When I said I, th- well, I think there will be a black president before there is a woman president. Yeah, and those were not necessarily because I wanted it that way, which either one I was very happy with. I miss Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think what it came down to is whether or not the world or the country will, would accept that as right. a possibility. Yeah, and I, I'm going to put a timestamp on this one. We're recording this January 24th, 2020, because it is changing a lot. Right, very um, quickly. Yeah, but from what I've ascertained from all the stuff I've read, Basically, what Bernie said was sexism, Trump will use anything that he can as a right. weapon 
including racism and sexism, right. to prevent someone from getting elected. Elizabeth Warren interpreted that as a woman can't get elected. You right. think a woman can't get elected against Trump. And I do remember her making the statement saying that, yes, he said it, but it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Yeah. And then again, like I said, I wish none of this, I wish no, no one had just addressed it, just moved on. Yeah. That would be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or at least a different timing, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, that kind of goes back to differing interpretations. That's what a lot of people reporting on this say. Right. Warren interpreting it as, oh, okay, a woman can't be elected president in 2020, and Bernie telling it like he thinks it is. Um, although Warren probably did not need to be told that sexism would come up in her campaign. Yeah. Likeability in itself and women in itself. Yes, we know. Yes. And going back to that snake, snake is a pretty loaded term when it comes to sexism, hearkening all the way back to Eve and the apple, implying that women are not to be trusted, manipulative, or downright evil. In the internet world, it represents complete hatred of someone. Most believe it originated with the Kim K. T. Swift controversy. That's what I know it from. She definitely, Kim K. definitely tweeted out, it's National Snake Day, and she had... Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was apparently in response to the belief that Warren had broken the pact between herself and Sanders to remain friendly and not attack each other on the campaign. People accused her of stabbing Bernie in the back. Yeah, and many people have pointed out this is why women don't call out sexism in the first place. Right. Adding fuel to this rift was a political report that found a script for volunteers on Sanders' campaign with this line describing Warren's supporters, quote, highly educated, more affluent people who are going to show up and vote Democratic no matter what. Warren called it disheartening that the campaign was going out and trash-talking her. This actually happened prior to the leak or whatever right. it was about the 2018 comment, and no one accused Sanders of backstabbing Warren. Right, and if I remember correctly, I think the statement from Sanders was that he didn't approve it. Right. But he has many staffers. <laughs> I mean, okay. He's true. not wrong. And I get that, but I, I did think it was interesting how he quickly bypassed that to the other oh, he said women can't be presidents, which to me, I'm like, well, both of those are not very encouraging for the other. <laughs> yeah. And not that it needs more, but then Teen Vogue also continued with the narrative with the op-ed titled, Elizabeth Warren's fake beef with Bernie Sanders is a sign the primaries are heating up, which was also followed by many people tweeting it and retweeting it or responding to it with hashtag refund Warren and bringing back the narrative of dividing and feverishly attacking each other on details that diminish who the real opposition is. And I yeah. think it also was... A call to take back money from the campaign. Yeah. Which I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And Act Blue is the organization that has collected a lot of money for many Democratic candidates, but I, I don't understand how this process would go. But people were really behind this idea mm -hmm. of taking money back, which is, again, very disheartening. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're not really... We're more concerned with the, the opposition and also the difference in reactions between right. the two candidates as opposed to... Right. Obviously, as we said, we are more concerned about the opposition yeah. in, in the head and just more of, oh, no, it's coming back to where we were Yes, in, in the 2016 election. Yes, because for many, all of this is disturbingly similar to that election when supporters of Hillary Clinton reported that they received harassment when talking about sexism in politics, IRL and online from the so-called Bernie bros, which is a stereotype. It's actually more divided around age, and women make up more than half of Bernie supporters in his 2020 campaign. Although in 2016, it was largely white male, and several female staffers complained about pay inequity and sexual misconduct. Also, there was that hashtag burn the witch. 
um, problematic. But to to combat that, Bernie Sanders has hired that he has hired a lot of women and diversity for this campaign. Anyway. Uh, for my own personal experience, among my extremely liberal side of the family, I mentioned kind of after the election, the 2016 election, offhandedly that I thought there was a double standard when it came to press coverage of Hillary Clinton and that I wasn't as big as a Bernie fan as everyone else. Note, not I didn't like him. Right. <laughs> um, and I paid the price for it. Oh, it was an argument for the ages. I got yelled at for hours by primarily the men at this event, and I literally ended up backed into a corner with people yelling at me. My mom and I took shots at 3 a.m. There's a tweet about it. That's one of my few tweets. Like, I'm in the kitchen. This is how Christmas ends. Not with a bang, but tequila shots at 3 wow. a.m. That's deservedly so. And again, we want to emphasize we're not saying one way or the other. No. I think that what we're looking at is the biases that are here and then also the concerns of the fact that it is, again, divisive. Yes, yes, because I, I was so shocked. <laughs> I just thought, oh, yeah, yeah, it, you know, no harm, comment. They're liberal, they understand. Exactly, what? no. Um, and kind of related to that, just a reminder in the episode I did with the Daily Zeitgeist around women politics and likability, in 2016, during that election cycle, reporters were asking, why didn't we go with a more likable female candidate like Elizabeth Warren? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> many said, so many people said, They'd be fine with a female candidate, just not Hillary Clinton. They'd be ecstatic to vote for Elizabeth Warren. I guess not. Nope. Nope. It's literally the same stuff people complained about with Clinton. Unlikable, elitist, liar. Yeah, also, Hillary just said in a documentary, no one likes Bernie Sanders, and the internet is freaking out. Yes. Whether or not this is true, if someone had said this about Hillary, and I'm going to say, yeah. They probably did. Actually, a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. People said that to me. <laughs> I mean, that was how one of the biggest things about her. They just didn't like her. Yeah. They couldn't tell me why other than I don't trust her, I don't like her. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't have been as new, and there wasn't yeah. as much backlash kind of as it is now. Yeah. And you can argue this comes down to the individuality, but again, yeah, sexism, there's a part of that. Yeah. And yes, yeah, Sanders faces media bias as well. We know this. Ageism comes in here as well. And, and, and he, he is... He is a big supporter in open health care, all of those things. And it is very, very problematic for, obviously, the Republican Party. They've always been against that and would always fight that in every way. So, yes, he does deal with a lot of bias as well. Yeah. I think he's dismissed a lot by a lot of mainstream media. That's true. Um, also, just his... He shouts a lot, right? He shouts a lot. He's loud. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a bias. Let yeah. him talk how he wants to talk, <laughs> uh, I say as I yell into the mic. Uh -huh. So some Clinton supporters are still angry at Bernie supporters who stayed home, voted independent, or worse, Trump. And Bernie supporters are still angry that Clinton and the Democratic Party, in their minds, quote-unquote, stole Bernie's nomination. And we're seeing the echoes of that now. As yeah. in fact, I just saw an interview saying, once again, if Bernie was not the actual candidate, they would not vote or that they would vote independent. Yeah. Please stop it. <laughs> I did have a friend that told me that as well. We were Ooh. sitting together, a big group of us, and he said he would not vote for Hillary and said, there's no way Trump will win. Yeah. And then come back, fast forward. Oh, sure. We started yelling at him. <laughs> yeah. No, I had friends that did that too. And they they were the ones doing 
signing the petition, like, oh, take it back. I'm like, no. No. Can't take it back. You stop talking. <laughs> and unfortunately, as, as you were saying, Samantha, this whole thing really helps out Trump and Biden, two candidates that committed much more out-in-the-open acts of sexism. Right. And with that, adding a side note, there is a rumor that Kamala Harris will be endorsing Biden. And with that, there's a call that if Biden was elected, that he would put Harris on his ticket, oh. which sounds interesting. Yes. You know, that's, that's very strategic, I will say. Strategic. With Julian Castro, he had, who has endorsed Warren. Yeah, at this point. Well, and then that's another controversy that I guess we'll just mention, but not really get into the detail. When New York Times endorsed both Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, yes, and the internet was not happy about that either. Yeah, that's rolling around right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then just to put there, Cory Booker has not endorsed anyone, but seems to be very much the middle child who is trying to make amends between Bernie and Warren. Have you seen any of the statements? <laughs> no. <laughs> Quite nice. But I like that. As a middle <laughs> child, I can appreciate that. Uh, something else we wanted to touch on here um, is the the sexual assault of Evelyn Yang. Yes. Because this was a recent story in our political cycle. She is, of course, the wife of presidential candidate Andrew Yang, um, and she detailed her alleged sexual assault while pregnant at the hands of her OBGYN. And according to her, after reading a letter a woman wrote to her on her husband's campaign about her, this woman deciding to press charges of against somebody who had sexually assaulted her, Evelyn Yang reported um, feeling this connection with this person and wishing she could reach out and say, basically, I feel you. And that wasn't the first time she'd heard stories like this on the campaign. So she decided to go public for the first time, sitting down with CNN. She shared the story of her first pregnancy and how she sought out a well-known Columbia-based OBGYN, Dr. Robert Haddon. Both her and Andrew Yang went to Columbia, I believe. At first, everything seemed totally fine, but then he started asking for these really personal, unprompted sexual questions. He asked for more frequent visits, longer visits, assumedly taking advantage of her anxiety around her first pregnancy and the difficulty of changing doctors. At one visit, he allegedly claimed that she may need a C-section and examined her ungloved. Um, and after this assault was over, Evelyn Yang left and never returned. In her words, she kept it to herself for so long because she didn't want other people to feel guilty or to upset them. And as we've talked about before, that is a very common thing. But she did go on to report it. 18 other female patients of Haddon have reported him as well. He took a plea deal in 2016. His license was removed. I think he had to register as a level one sexual offender, but he did not go to prison. He had been arrested for sexual assault before Evelyn Yang ever even showed up at his office, mm -hmm. but was allowed to return. Along with 31 others, Yang is suing Columbia University for a cover-up and allowing a known sexual predator to keep working. Which is unfortunately a continuing routine of many of professional level men who get to get away with these types of things with a slap on the wrist. And return. And return. And get to keep yes. it, yeah. Um, and still not in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And while we're discussing the topic, we did want to add the current proceedings of the Weinstein trial. Actress Annabella Sciorra testified against him, describing traumatic details of the rape. Uh, also, it was stated that it seemed during the testimony, Weinstein may have nodded off. Wow. Which was, you know. Yeah. Par for the course, I guess. His lawyer, Donna Rotano, seemed to continue the unnecessary tactic of victim blaming and rephrasing as a cross-examination yeah. practice. She asked questions like, did you scream? 
did you hit him? Try to poke him in the eyes. And of course, the, why didn't you tell anybody? Yeah. I think that, that again, is one more problematic issue that this is being used again by a female who also has already made a statement stating that she felt that the Me Too movement was problematic and actually harmful, mm. which says a lot. Yeah. For her personality, maybe. I don't know. It's also rumored, if you continue to keep track, and I know it is very, very, very triggering, just an FYI, just reading some of these things. It's also rumored that Rosie Perez will be testifying against them as well. So that could be an interesting moment in the conversation. As well, we wanted to talk about Deborah Dogan, who was the Grammy CEO who got ousted. And after that, there came many, many a paperwork that showed that she had allegedly been fired after she filed a complaint about sexual harassment against the Grammy's lawyer. Mm-hmm. Within this document, it talks about all the different biases, racism, sexism that's been occurring, including the fact that the predecessor of her, the previous CEO, had actually been accused of rape as well, and that it was all hidden. There's a lot of things to be uncovered here, obviously, but she was only there for, I want to say, six months for Mm -hmm. a short amount of time. And during that time, she had stated that she was unable to see what was going on and was really, really stifled by the industry and and not being able to do what she was hired for and essentially as a way to bring in inclusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds, especially as we've already talked about, and we will be talking about, rather, with all of the issues within the award ceremonies, this is kind of coming, seeing the background of what might be happening with the Grammys, and it kind of makes sense. Right. Yeah, we will be getting into that in a second. But I also wanted to touch on this. There's been this whole kerfuffle, I guess, around this doctored photo. So if you haven't heard about this, um, there was discovery of photos that had been doctored by the National Archives to censor references to women's anatomy and negative uh, things about Donald Trump (laughs) from the 2017 Women's March Wow! (laughs) after he was elected. The images showed um, protesters holding signs, only the language on the signs, including God hates Trump and Trump and the GOP hands off women, were blurred out. Like, you could read God hates, but Trump was blurred out. Um, Yeah, things like that. Um, As were the signs that read vagina and pussy, those were, that was blurred out. When called out about it, they did admit, the the National Archives admitted that they had made a mistake and that they would restore the images as soon as possible. But the ACLU has filed a suit demanding to know who ordered the altering of the image. The National Archives claimed it was a nonpartisan move to avoid current political controversy. (laughs) Well, that backfired. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. (laughs) And they, when asked, they could not provide evidence of ever doing so before. Um, And also, I doubt this would ever have come to light if a reporter hadn't kind of, he saw the image and thought, huh, that looks blurred, and then asked for the original from Getty and realized that they had been doctored. And yeah, this was part of an exhibit to commemorate women's suffrage by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no problem there, am I yeah, right? sure. So the National Archives claims they did this because they got a lot of young visitors. Yeah. But they could just, you know, just chosen different photos. Yeah, no need to alter yeah, if that's why? your concern. Which, by the way, is more intriguing about, like, what was there? <laughs> why? What? Yeah. And then Yale historian Joanne Freeman wrote, Don't get me started on the irony of women's voices being erased. Dot, dot, dot. 
from the Women's March. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's also ongoing. We'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. And we do want to return to some some controversy in these award ceremonies. Ooh. Yeah. But first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's talk about the Oscars. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) The day the nominations came out, I had a friend staying with me, and she woke up to me, like, shouting, (laughs) the Irishman, the Joker. They both lead the way for most nominations. The Joker had slightly with 11. That's, yep, the most. And I've seen all of the nominations except the Joker and Ford versus Ferrari. And y'all know I love comic books, but the Joker was too close to incel for comfort for me. I'll see it eventually, but... Yeah, I I haven't seen The Irishman, but I have seen The Joker. And yes, it was um, an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. But nothing that I would recommend. And I told you not to watch it. You right did. Now. I asked. Yeah, I was like, "Don't do it." There seems to be a general dislike of women inside the story, and I don't know if it's purposeful. I don't know what the point of it is. Maybe it's to show how messed up the system is. I don't know. But your, you know, protagonist slash antagonist yeah. sees this perspective of kind of the fact that women and the rich are problematic to his life. So you have an abusive mother um, and an imagined slight from a neighbor woman and a dismissiveness of a social worker, which I take personally. Yes. Come on. Why why do they have to be portrayed that way all the time? Right. Um, But it's obvious what this kind of sentiment is. And it is kind of alarming that this is the best movie we've had this year. 
Well, it's really funny because I was, when I was researching this, I was reading past reviews of it from critics, and a lot of critics were like, it's empty, it's, and then they would, these same people went and right. nominated it and gave it all these. Right. And I do find it funny that the director originally stated that he was doing this because he was tired of the cancel culture. Yeah. And the dangers like and toxicity. Yeah. And, and then you're like, so we're going to reward because we call people out and you find that you don't like offensive that. or something? Or you find that stifling for you because you can't say everything you want to say or do whatever you want. Right, right. That's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. It but is. <laughs> I do find that problematic that we're celebrating it in such a way as, in fact, and not only celebrating it, but ignoring the other things that are out there mm-hmm. that should also be celebrated, if not more. Right, because this is kind of another instance of Oscar so white, Oscar so male. Women did get about 31% of the nominations, which sadly slash happily enough is the most ever. Uh, most of those were for behind-the-screen stuff, though, which is still important, still hugely important. Despite getting nominations for acting and screenplay and all kinds of other things, The Little Women's Greta Gerwig and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood's director, uh, Marielle Heller, they both weren't nominated for Best Director, and Issa Rae, when she read the nomination, said congratulations to those men. <laughs> she, she's created a fantastic meme. Yes, she did. So, Bette Midler also tweeted, maybe we just get our own show called the Oscars. <laughs> I guarantee it'll be way better organized and way more entertaining. I'm in. I'm telling you, Bette Midler. That's why I she put knows. it in there. I'm like She's been on her mind a lot lately. <laughs> I love some Bette. <laughs> I love some Bette. I love some Bette. That needs to be on a pillow. Just saying. Arguably, Jordan Peele for Us and Lulu Wong for writing and directing The Farewell with Aquafina, Melina Matsukas for Queen and Slim, Cassie Lemons for Harriet, Lorene Scafaria for Hustlers, and Alma Harel for Honey Boy. Those all came up in this conversation of why didn't we nominate them? Mm-hmm. Also, Aquafina herself specifically. Right. Beyonce, not nominated for Lion King Song Spirit. Right. Only five women have been nominated for Best Director, and only one has won. Yeah. It was for a military movie. Yes, and that I is... I find that interesting. Yes, because that's something we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, there's kind of a genre bias for masculinized yes. genres. Yes. Also, uh, yes. if you're curious, about 20 of the 70 hosts of the Oscars were women. This year, there will be no host. Right. Which is probably smart. Yeah. <laughs> for now. Right. I'm just... I don't know. Well, do you know next year for Golden Globe, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are back. They're back. They're back, baby. Uh, I wanted to put in there that Knives Out, my favorite, was not nominated, but only for one thing. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yes. We are going to see it. I'm going to see it for the first time. We are going. I love that you're like, hey, you want to go see a movie? It's like 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> it's because I was hanging out with Lyle, and I was like, I want to go see it. I was like, okay. I got another friend. Let's yeah, go. Let's, you have another friend? <laughs> oh, no. Only you. Oh, only okay. you. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think it's also noted that only two non-white actors were nominated. Jennifer Lopez was passed over for Best Supporting Actress for Hustlers and Lupita Nyong'o for Best Actress for Us. Yeah. And going back to that genre thing, I read a lot of articles about this of genre bias for masculinized genres like war movies being favored over feminized genres like comedy and surprisingly horror. A lot of the movies nominated for Best Picture um, are also movies about white men afraid of losing their culture and lashing out because Mm -hmm. of it. And the BAFTAs weren't much better. They also might have actually been worse. Not a single woman of color was nominated for an acting award in the 2020 BAFTA nominations, and all the director nominations were also male. Right. Cynthia Erivo, actress-singer, actually turned down an invitation to perform in protest of BAFTA So White, essentially. Mm -hmm. And one 
thing I read that might be there's a lot of a lot of things happening here, obviously. But one part of the problem that I hadn't really considered is the lack of female critics. This is actually pretty huge, and I'm sure we'll probably return to it for a future episode. But in brief, men make up about 66% of film critics and women 34. Men write most of the reviews for most genres, except movies about women. So reviews for movies about women are getting written less because women are the ones that write them and there are less women writing. Uh, Female reviewers are likelier to mention the name of a female director as compared to male reviewers. And when you do that, a lot of times you list other things they do, which gives them more exposure. So that's not really happening. Male critics give lower ratings to movies with female protagonists. Surprise. (laughs) So shocking. So shocking. And then we wanted to end this one, I guess, with kind of a a mini update on some problematic women. Oh, there's so many, though. There are. There are. Um, Yeah, and we're going to start with Jillian Michaels and her ridiculous interview on BuzzFeed, essentially, in which she decided it was appropriate to use Lizzo as an example of unhealthy glorification of obesity, insinuating she was promoting diabetes and heart problems. And yeah, that didn't go over very well. I did love Lizzo's response in which she continued to twerk all the way throughout her Instagrams, not ever just calling her out directly, Mm -hmm. but making sure it was pointed towards her. Mm -hmm. I also do love that she also... Uh, featured herself doing her performances every night and the stamina and the dances and the routines that she yeah. has to go through, which I thought about. That's the first thing I thought. I'm like, if anybody's out of shape, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's out of shape in this equation. Right. Because I can only last about 45 minutes before I'm like, I'm going to die now. Mm-hmm. And I love doing that. But the intensity, the singing, the performance, and the continuation of her having to do all of these things takes a lot just watching some of the documentary for behind-the-scene stages or performances, you know is an intense level. So, yeah, I think it was very interesting. And and then even Jillian's quote-unquote apology was so absurd mm-hmm. and so backhanded mm-hmm. that it just it's one more of the things of, please stop talking. Yeah. Just why? Why, why must you? And we understand health and fitness is something that is your profession, but no one really asked you about these specific people which her old co-host from Biggest Loser, Bob Harper, was asked, you know, what do you think? And he made sure to let them know. He goes, I don't give an opinion if it's not asked. Mm -hmm. If you ask me an opinion, I may tell you because you came directly to me and asked for it. Mm -hmm. But why do we need to go out there and just make claims or make criticisms for no reason? That's not my business. Yeah. And I think that's a great reminder. It's not your business. Yeah. Yeah, and if people don't know, because w- I'm actually not really familiar with Jillian Michaels. I just have seen her back when my big protein, whey protein days. <laughs> she was one of the options for protein. Okay. Uh, that's all I knew about her. There you go. But she, yeah, she's big into getting yes. fit, working out. Right. She became known through the show Biggest Loser. Yeah which capitalized on the weight loss industry in the U.S. in a major, major way. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the people who chose to be there, it was great for them, wonderful, whatever. There were some success stories. There was a lot of not success stories that needs to be said. But, yeah, she, her money is made as being a personal trainer, and that's fine. And she has a whole industry based on that, her protein shakes being one of them. (laughs) Yes. And books and all kinds of videos and such. I think I, I had bought her videos a while back. Mm-hmm. They were intense. Yeah. I will say that. But again, there's no reason mm-hmm. to call out people without even knowing or even being asked to. 
right. talk about that specifically. Now, she was in an interview and trying to give an example on why. Just yeah. why? No need. Yeah. Yeah. I guess speaking of, Ugh. our second problematic woman we oh. want to talk about is J.K. Rowling. So disappointing. It was very disappointing. So this... We had just done our episode on women in Harry Potter, and we yeah. were, like, done for the year. Right. And then we see on Twitter trending, like, J.K. Rowling is a turf. Right. Because she tweeted support for um, an anti-trans researcher basically um, saying biology is a thing. Like, we can't say it's not a thing. And if you don't know what a turf is, it's trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And this is basically... Women who who define womanhood through biology rather than gender identity, um, and it's it's pretty toxic. It's a way of keeping people out. Um, it is, and and they feel that it is a threat. Yeah, to the gender, which is absurd in itself. I I don't understand how it's a threat. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I know. I'm thinking to too me, simplistic. Like, why? 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 <laughs> right. What is the point? There was no need no. to even talk about it. And I guess for those out there, they would rather know than not, oh, this is who you really are. I see you now. Sure. That's fantastic. But at the same time, you're kind of thinking, there was no need. No. No one really is. Well, actually, she's made statements about it before, for sure. But they kind of bypassed because it wasn't absolutes in the mm-hmm. statement. But now... <laughs> with her coming in and conveying that she absolutely agrees that this woman has the right to ignore a request of a coworker, and that's not discrimination. Mm, that's not that's not how that goes. If they don't want to talk to them, okay, as long as you're not being biased or harassing them in, as an individual. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people I don't like at work. It has nothing to do with anything else. I might, you know, whatever. It's me, isn't it? It's <laughs> finally coming out. <laughs> But there's no need to do all of that and purposely go out of your way to make someone uncomfortable or hurt someone. Yeah. And to say that that is a right yeah, is even one upped to, mm-hmm. oh, you're a horrible person. Right. To say that that's your right to do that to someone. Yeah. like Because you're ignorant. I don't know. That makes you uncomfortable. Right. That's, that you're, exactly. You, your rights and comfort. And fortunately, on top of that, she actually got the support of many of the people that she would rally against <laughs> for being whatever sexist, biased, any of those things, politically incorrect, uh, hateful. Mm-hmm. She gained their support. A majority of the tweets that she would get, and I don't know if she noted, was, I never agreed with her before, but she's absolutely right. I never really liked you now, but no, no, no. I don't believe in witchcraft. Like, supporting, yeah, that was that. <laughs> supporting that tweet. And I feel like that should have been Oh, yeah, alarm bells should have been going on. But off. she just, she hasn't, has not made any changes to that opinion. And, and we can't change people's opinions, but people with influence like that yeah. need to understand there is a price to pay. Yep. <laughs> Whether that's cancellation. Yeah. Which she has billions of dollars, so I'm guessing she don't care. Yeah. I mean, you can hope. You can hope that you can change people's mind. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the benefit of being a privileged, rich white woman, isn't it? True. True. Um, and that, it's funny because, as everyone knows, I, I love Harry Potter. And I remember... Um, Having this moment because I also love fan fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love fan fiction. Who you? Yes. What? I'm writing a fan fiction right now. I'll admit it. Is it about us? 
<laughs> no, but I wish someone would write a fan fiction about it. Oh, I don't. I can't imagine what that would be. I'd be happy to read oh. it. Um, I, you know, I, I opened the, the whole world of fan fiction, and you just realize in the Harry Potter universe, it's you marry your high school sweetheart, and it's heterosexual, and it's this, and that's kind of it. Mm. Um, and so fan fiction gave me all these wonderful other options. Oh, yes. Yes. And speaking of, for our outro today, one of our listeners wrote in after we did our episode on Women of Harry Potter, Sophia. Sophia wrote, I have my own podcast about Harry Potter called Potter Nonsense, where our mission is to discuss and question the aspects of the world which J.K. Rowling is uninterested in exploring. Great. Great. Title. <laughs> yes. I really love... <laughs> That name. Just, I just want to put that out there. It's awesome. Keep going. Yes, she continues. As feminists, my co-host Ray and I have to temper our love of the series with the more unfortunate aspects of J.K. Rowling's personal politics, which come through in the books. Racism, fat phobia, ableism, internalized misogyny, and the more recent ways she has been problematic using her public platform, most notably her transphobia. We have had episodes where we go deep on the female characters we feel were underserved by the series, including one of the most interesting discussions I think I've ever had regarding Harry Potter about the fact that adult women who aren't mothers are either evil or pitiable in the world we're presented with. McGonagall is not a mother in the traditional sense, but she serves as a parental figure to Gryffindors and Tonks is a mother by the end of the series, so we excluded them from our ranks of the childless skulls and the spinster weirdos. While our discussions are often critical, we come from a place of loving the series and a genuine desire to figure out how the world works. Is there another wizarding prison, or does everyone have to go to evil skeleton jail? Is Wizarding Britain a democracy? And we also have a bit of fun with things like assigning houses to Marvel superheroes. Oh, Sophia, can you assign us a house? I mean, truly, <laughs> not just because of what we want it to be. I I mean, I would love that. <laughs> I feel pretty confident which one I am. We but... also need to include, of course, producer Andrew. Yes. Yeah. My Patronus, by the way, is a Swift. I told you mine is some kind of horse, right? Yeah. You're and you're like, oh, horse. no, you're going to die or something. I was like, what? <laughs> no. I think I might have just been picking on you. Because <laughs> um, you are a nightmare. Oh. All see. day. All day. Well, that podcast sounds right up my alley. And if any listeners um, want to check it out, Please, please do so. Yeah. And hey, y'all, guess what? We're going to be in L.A. soon. We are. Ah. That's right. Ah. So if any of y'all, you know, want to tell us what to do in L.A., that'd be awesome. As well as if, you know, anybody's around, maybe you want to come get some coffee with us, hit us up. Yes, 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 yes. We will be in L.A. from February 12th through the 15th. I think we fly out on the 16th, but we'll we'll be too busy flying out that day. So (laughs) we'll see when I meet us at the airport. That's cool. Oh, you gave them specific dates. I was going to give them specifics. You're just going to be vague and then... Yeah, because I don't want them to come... If they don't like us to come get us. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a really interesting hate listen. Look, I am a social worker. I always think someone's going to try to kidnap us. Okay. Oh, well, that's great. Uh, <laughs> please don't do that. But oh. we will be speaking at Podcast Movement Evolutions in L.A. at that time. And we would love to meet up, hear from you. If, if you're not going to be in L.A. and you'd still like to contact us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I'm Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. 